Paratooth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Since the fall of man, a war has raged between good and evil. Over the centuries, this war has distorted the truth. Now the truth is perceived as lies, and lies acknowledged as truth. To this day, the battle continues as we investigate and debate the truth behind the history and mystery of the universe. We are Paratruth Radio. The spirit world has always been mysterious, but few spirits seem more mysterious than the black dog. An omen of death or a protector of man? Let's take a look at what the mythology provides. Now Paratruth presents Dogs of the Shadows. What's up, folks? Welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And man, are we glad to be here with you. Always. Oh, always, yes. <laughs> we hope everyone had, I know we mentioned this last week, but I hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, as you know, our show came on a few days after Thanksgiving, so we didn't get to, you know, hear from people and talk to people before us then, but, uh, Luckily, from what I can tell, most of our friends and uh, contacts have had a good Thanksgiving. So praise the Lord for that. Yep. Awesome. Uh, everyone was safe on the roads and safe scarfing down that turkey, and the turkey didn't try to fight back too much. That's a good thing. <laughs> Almost good thing. Af- after they ate it, sometimes it fights back if you right. have heartburn yeah. problems. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, how, man, how's your week been? Uh, it's been all right. Uh, work is work and now we're getting hammered with snow. So, <laughs> Ooh, snow. Oh. first of the year and it's, we're getting roughly between eight and 10, I think inches, but, uh, not cold, not frigid. So that's right. always a plus. So that's how about your week? Yeah, uh, mine, well, mine's been pretty good thus far. Uh, approaching, what is it? Just three leagues, three leagues, three weeks left of school. Man, three weeks. For the last about two years that we've had this show, I've been in school and <laughs> finally, finally folks, three weeks and I will be done forever. Uh, in contrast to your snowy winter wonderland up there in North Dakota, it's raining, but in about 63 degrees over here in Virginia. That's what everybody so. else was saying. Even <laughs> Heidi, for freak's sake, has better weather than we do. Uh, don't worry. It's not going to last. We only get two days of this. Thursday, it'll be cold again. Ooh, does it even get sucks. cold in Virginia? Believe it or not, it does. Not as cold as it does back north, but it gets cold enough. Yeah. Put it this way. At least up in like North Dakota and Cleveland, people more or less know how to drive when it snows. Well, Even I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> you have not been to Virginia when it snows. <laughs> well, not only yeah. do people not know how to drive down here in Virginia, but they close the entire city down. At least here in Lynchburg, literally, 
stores that are supposed to be open 24 hours, nope. No one's allowed to go to work. No one's allowed to go to school. No one's no fast food restaurants. Nothing. Everything they shut closes. down Mandan today because of the snow. So yeah, I completely. Oh, but understand. here's the thing: you're getting six to eight inches. We get a dusting. Not even a dusting. <laughs> the first time that they closed the entire city down, I went outside and there was snow on the median where the grass is. No snow anywhere else. It all melted. On the, it was all melted. It's like you got to be kidding me. This I was actually angry. Like I should be happy that I have a day off from school, but I was more upset because like you guys are weak. <laughs> I would say no offense to all you Virginians uh, listening right now, but that was kind of offensive. So <laughs> get a backbone, just know. Well. Uh, Regardless of the snow situation, I don't think we're having a a show on snow <laughs> no, episode on no, we're snow. Not. We are not having a show on snow. Maybe one day we'll have a show on snow just because it rhymes well. But uh no, folks, we are talking about something we we touched a little bit on on this subject in the past, not much. Uh, but I think this is the first show that we're going to do a full length episode on. Dedicating, and yep. we are going to be talk yeah, and we are going to be talking about black dogs. Interesting topic. You know, a few, well, it's probably been a couple months ago now. Uh, Justin and I were talking, we're kind of, we're always trying to come up with new episodes and new things to share with mm-hmm. you guys. And, uh, I came across the black dog and it wasn't just the black dog. There was a particular name that I'd never heard of. It's called the black shuck. And I was like, Oh, well, what is this? You know, and I looked into it and basically it kind of piqued my interest enough where I thought that maybe we should talk about it a little bit about all the different black dogs throughout the world mm. uh, or at least most as many as we can find uh, because depending on where you're at around the world there's different legends and mythologies to that are associated with the particular black dog that someone may encounter and so it's really interesting topic and I think we're going to have a lot of fun about it tonight especially since I don't know if you if you guys are like me and Justin we love dogs so yeah. Yeah. Now these are a little scarier than your typical dog, but still. Uh, but before we go ahead and do that, real quick, Justin, dude, I like your shirt, man. <laughs> Thanks. Where did you get that? Uh, it's a Hot Topic special. I got it for, I believe, Christmas one year. Hot Topic special. You hear that Hot Topic? We need money. Send it our way for uh, <laughs> sponsoring us. Yeah. Uh, out there. Anyway. Oh, how did your research go for this? I know this is something we ask each other every week. Uh, it's well, kind of fun because to see the troubles. Like we said numerous times, we keep each other in the dark for a reason as to what we found. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it kind of pretty much linked up, give or take, to the Hellhound, which folks will get into the Hellhound with this episode as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was interesting to see that in the images of the hellhound that Cerberus, which we actually talked about a little bit, the lead hellhound, if you will, came up numerous times in the in the images on Google. It looks like it kind of, I don't know if it originated in Great Britain or the lore is just more so in Great Britain. Cause, I mean, there are numerous accounts throughout the world, but what I've come across, the, all the names that I came across for the black dog uh, spirit creature is from Great Britain, some from South America, 
and that's about it as far as the names are concerned. But as far as the accounts, it kind of goes all around the world. Yeah, I pretty much came up with the same stuff, and it is interesting. It it looks like that the Black Dog was originally associated uh, or founded, if you will, the idea of it in the folklore of the British Isles. And it kind of spread out from there, and we get into Scotland and, you know, Ireland, and then, of course, overseas, we get here to America, to different, a couple different uh, countries within Northern and Southern America. Not everybody has this legend of the black dog, but sure enough, it has spread. And, of course, we wonder, like, if it began in the British Isle, why did it spread? Did the black dog actually move or, like, you know, start appearing overseas, or did the legend just come across the seas with those uh, from Britain and so on and so forth, you know, and so what do we really have here? Do we have an actual creature or is it just a story that's spreading? Uh, regardless, even today, there are numerous accounts that are still popping up. So this isn't something that was like once upon a time a hot subject. It's still here. It's not as loud as it once was, but people are still seeing this, these black dogs. And what's interesting about all of these stories, though, is not just the legend itself, but the appearance of these dogs. Because the appearance is very different from case to case. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I that I read upon in my research, and I don't know if you knew this, Justin, previously to our research, or if you found it in your research, but a great majority of the black dogs that are seen or spotted by humans happen to only have one eye in the center of its head, like a cyclops, and not two. Hmm. No, I, Which is, I didn't come across that. Okay. It's really interesting. And, I, you know, of course, it goes back and forth. There's some dogs with two eyes, some dogs with one. Uh, but it always looks as if their their eyes are afire. You know, they mm-hmm. usually glow red or green. It, it's either red or green usually. Uh but when I came across this about this whole cyclop type eye, I was like, well, that's just really weird because never in my life, of all the times that we've done research on the black dogs, have I come across this. And I think maybe our research in the past wasn't as in-depth as it should have been, and so we never came across it. Or there's just new stories that have come out. And people are starting to see them with one eye, or, or maybe it's who knows, you know. Uh, well, one thing that course, could might be happening is if the eyes are glowing. If you're from a far enough distance, it may look like one eye because they're true. merging. <clears throat> right, that's true. That's a possibility. The other possibility, because I noticed that some of these dogs, according to folklore, are seen either floating across clouds, are seen headless are seen in some way uh, dismembered. Uh, you know, it's almost like the account of the uh, uh, the manifestation of demonic entities or mm-hmm. shadow people. Sometimes you don't get a full figure. Right. Sometimes it's a little dismantled, you know, it's a little weird. And it seems the same thing with the black dog, which is interesting. Uh, and so in this case, maybe there should be two eyes, but it's only able to manifest one. That's Even though it's still in the center of its head, who knows? But in regards to that, we're speaking about the black dog being a spirit. Right. And yet, it's not classified as a spirit. It's classified as a cryptid. And it's rare that we actually classify a spirit entity as a cryptid. Unless, of course, you get into the whole, like, the Bigfoot thing. Right. Whether or not there's, you know. But 
the majority of people who believe in Bigfoot or research Bigfoot don't believe it's a spirit. They believe it's an actual physical being, you know? And so this is interesting. Uh, and I think part of the reason why it may be considered a cryptid is because of its ability to manifest itself so well to look like a physical form as opposed to a spirit, even though it can appear and disappear like, you know, within a couple of seconds, Mm. when it does appear, it's rare that in any of these cases that I've read, and I'm not saying they're not out there, but any of the cases that I've come across, it's typically not a translucent dog or translucent animal. It's usually a pretty strong physical form. So, interesting, to say the least. Yeah. And the accounts varied, but, yeah, for the most part... It was not see-through. There's only a few that I came across that said that it was translucent, not transparent. There is a little bit of difference because translucent, you can still see color, but you can still see through it. So, yeah, it was interesting doing the research on this because the similarities between the hellhound and the black dog are very few. And it was interesting to see the different names that they are given throughout, at least throughout the British Isles and going into South America, because in North America, you would just call it a black dog. I mean, obviously, we're not giving it another name. So, yeah. Um, Why don't you give them a little bit of the folklore, at least from what you found for the black dog, specifically? Okay. Uh, <clears throat> well, it's interesting because the black dog, it, depending on where you're at, you get this name black dog. Not everyone calls it a black dog. There's certain areas, such as in uh, East An- what's it, Anglia or Anglia? Do you know? It, uh, oh, East um, A N G L I A. I would say Anglia. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> for example, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> For example, in East Anglia, uh, the black dog is known as the black shuck, or the old shuck, or the old shock, or just simply shuck, which is interesting. Uh, and of course, when you look at the different names, you kind of get these ideas of what they represent or what they mean. In this case, in, regarding to, in regards to the black shuck, uh, the name Shuck is actually derived from the old English word, uh, I think it's Skuka or Skuka, I think. I apologize if I completely destroyed that name. I can't, I don't know the pronunciation of it, but the word means demon. Or, it's possibly from the local dialect word, uh, Shucky, which actually means shaggy or hairy, which is often a, uh, a trait that many of these black dogs have. They happen to look very shaggy hair, like, if they're not short-haired creatures, they're very shaggy, uh, which is interesting. And so according to the mythology and the folklore, it depends on where you're at and what's happening. Because many times, and the majority of times, the black dog, or in this case the black shuck, usually appears as an omen of death. And now that means that either it's showing itself to say that, hey, you're about to die, or somebody in your family is about to die. Now, according to the folklore, if you're to see the dog, then that means in it, 
immediate death, basically. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. going to happen. It may not happen right that moment, but it's going to happen soon. Uh, and there's been stories where people have said they've seen the dog and then they get into a car accident or something like that. Uh, but on other instances, there have been stories in which a black dog has appeared to bring uh, peace or, or to protect a wanderer through the woods. There's, there's an old tale that says that a black dog would occasionally show up to protect women who are walking through the woods on the way home. And they just walk right alongside them in the woods, never like next to them, but they'd be in the distance, you know, walking alongside them. And once the uh, woman got to a safe place, the dog would disappear. Nothing bad would happen. It's as simple as that. Uh, the folklore also says that there's some of these black dogs which protect treasures. And this is very uh, popular in Scottish folklore, if I'm not mistaken, in which the black dog isn't this malevolent being, per se, and isn't benevolent either. It just simply protects a treasure trove that it has. Uh, much like, uh, you know, the case that it is, it is in certain dragons that we've talked about in the past, mm-hmm. how some dragons, you know, according to folklore, have protected treasures. And it's interesting because when I think about this particular legend about the black dog protecting treasures, it actually makes me think of Cerberus. Because in a sense, Cerberus is protecting treasures. The treasures of his are the souls of humans, and he's not letting them escape hell, which is basically the folklore of of what uh, Cerberus does. He guards the gates of hell to prevent anyone from leaving it. Right. Well, I came across some information, too, that said that they are guardians of doorways as well, Mm -hmm. which would make sense with Cerberus as well. Right. And so we're talking about spiritual doorways? Right. Just like, right? Okay. Just clarifying. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it doesn't specify, but obviously if it's a spiritual creature, it says gates and styles, whatever. I'm not even sure what styles are. Whatever styles are. (laughs) But, uh, I don't either. Yeah. it says gates or styles, which, in my opinion, would represent spiritual doorways, but it could also literally mean doorways or gates and styles, right. which are in the physical world, too. So that was well, the most interesting thing that I came across was the, the fact that they're guardians of gates and styles and even the fact that some have been known to, to guard treasures, which is just odd to me. Right, it is a little odd. It's it's a little weird, but again, like you know, I've said numerous times. We both said it depends on the legend. It depends on where you're at with you know around the world. The legend is always going to there may, there's going to be similarities, but it's always going to vary to some extent mm-hmm. from other places. Now here in America, the legend is completely different. Unfortunately, in America, everything seems to be very bad. You know, it's weird, but it does. The typical legend or myth that you find in America is that the black dog is going to represent death to be an omen. Either it's going to be there to kill you, or it's going to be there to tell you, you know, to to, uh, let you know that someone's about to die or something like that. It's it's something dark and scary. Where other places, it's a benevolent being. It's just there to, you know, to be your sidekick for a while, to help out or do whatever it can. And... You know, it's interesting because you start to wonder, as as many of the legends say or people believe, black dogs tend to be a hellish creature, much like the hellhound, uh, and the fact that they kind of represent each other, they're very similar and yet very different. <clears throat> but you have to question, why would some be malevolent and others be benevolent? Right. And this was like, you know, and that's, of course, they were never hellish to begin with. 
they just happen to be, you know, two different spirits or whatever uh, that take the form of the black dog. Or if one's a heavenly creature and the other's the hellish creature. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's, like, these different options and possibilities. Uh, but what I think is also really interesting, and this comes more across not just legend, but eyewitnesses who claim that there's more than just black dogs, but they've also seen white dogs. Mm-hmm. And in some other legends, the dog has actually been seen to be green, which is really interesting. Yeah. Uh, and so again, it just really depends on the legend and where you're at. Uh, you know, one thing that I think is interesting, and <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and read this because this comes from uh, W.A. Dutt in his 1901 Highways and Byways in East Anglia. Uh, it's a book that he wrote, I believe, or you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. He wants he writes this as a warning about the black dog, and it's. Pretty short, but, you know, it's interesting. It's a good, interesting description. He says, He takes the form of a huge black dog and prowls along dark lanes and lonesome field and lonesome field footpaths, where, although his howling makes the hearer's blood run cold, his footfalls make no sound. You may know him at once, should you see him, by his fiery eye, but he has only one and that that the Cyclops is in the middle of his head. But such an encounter might bring you the worst of luck. It is even said that to meet him is to be warned that your death will occur before the end of the year. So you will do well to shut your eyes if you hear him howling. Shut them, even if you are uncertain whether it is the dog fiend or the voice of the wind in your he- wind you hear. Should you never set eyes on our Norfolk Snarlio, you may perhaps doubt his existence and like other, and like other learned folks, tell us that his story is nothing but the old Scandinavian myth of the Black Hound of Odin, brought to us by the Vikings who long ago settled down on the Norfolk coast. So that right there is, I know, a little sketchy. Sorry guys. Um, but that right there is an interesting warning from 1901 by W.A. Dutt uh, about the black dog. And now whether or not he really believes it, you know, in this creature or not, or if it's just simply a story, you know, is up in the air. Because there's plenty of authors out there who will write something uh, and act as if it's realistic, but yet it's nothing more than a story. We say that in movies every single day, you know, right. we can think of horror films and stuff like that. But <clears throat> it's interesting nonetheless. Right. Yeah. Well, folks. Before we get any further into it, we are going to go to our first break here. You have been listening to Paratruth Radio right here on the Paratruth Radio Network. We will be right back after Eric's random fact of the day. Now, Eric's random fact of the day. In light of Justin's recent trip to Sicily, I've decided to share an interesting fact about their flag. If you've never seen it, you should look it up. It is quite a mysterious looking flag. The flag is red and yellow, with the winged head of Medusa in the center. Three wheat ears and three bent legs surround her. According to an article on Flickr, the three wheat ears symbolize the fertile land. The three bent legs represent the three points of Sicily. And the head of Medusa? Well, that's to ward off evil. And if you're interested in how Sicily was created, it's pretty interesting. According to a myth posted in an article by WishSicily.com, three nymphs danced around the world, gathering the best fruit, stones, and soil. 
They then threw all of it into the sea and created Sicily. In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't come that on. bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that helped shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network. All right, folks, welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And we've been discussing the black dog spirit cryptid. Not quite sure what it is. But it's interesting that Eric had brought up just before the break here that there's different colored dogs that have been seen throughout history. And even to this day. And the depiction just of the black dog alone has been, oh, I don't want to say mistaken, but varies. And he had said something prior to the break as well in accordance to this, that the different colored dogs might represent good and evil or, you know, the ones that protect and then the ones that represent doom or whatever you want to call it. Same thing might be said about the ones that have the one eye compared to the two eyes. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. But it's interesting to see that the description is close enough that they're all kind of linked together. Now, we mentioned earlier that the hellhound is represented in this aspect as well because it is very similar as far as the description visually but what differs in the hellhound mythology compared to the black dog or black shuck whatever you, wherever you're from that the name is is that in the black uh, or I'm sorry in the hellhounds the difference is sometimes there's yellow eyes I didn't come anything across anything that the black dogs had yellow eyes it just said red eyes super strength or speed ghostly or phantom characteristics which we said were the same for the the black dog foul odor and sometimes even the ability to talk which I, that's actually the first i've ever seen that it says the hellhounds have might have the ability to talk mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on that i mean <clears throat> i mean it, it's a it's a myth you know it's hard to say whether or not that's true or not obviously i've never met one but uh, I'm not sure I'd ever want to meet. Right. But uh, <laughs> I, 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 I'm not sure. I know for a fact I don't ever want to come over across a hellhound or a black dog because if they have glowing eyes, I'm just gonna stick away. It doesn't matter if they're protecting <laughs> yeah. something. I just don't want to be anywhere near them. Exactly. Uh, but it's interesting, you know. I think the fact that there's a possibility that the black dog or that the hellhound can talk. 
kind of goes along with many of the other Greek mythology uh, monsters mm-hmm. uh, as well. Because we've always seen, like in the films and in books, that these creatures have been able to talk in one way or another. Some of them use different tongues that we can't understand. Uh, but I mean, why not? Like, why can't a hellhound talk? You know, obviously. Uh, in some of these descriptions, it's its own separate being. Even though right. I know the hellhound has been seen to travel alongside a a uh, I don't, I don't want to. I guess in a sense you could say god or goddess or uh, a demon or something of hell. You know, whatever it is that it's traveling alongside, to, to, based on the mythology at whatever point, um, it's more than capable of being its own entity as well. Uh, Cerberus, as we know, being the number one most popular hellhound in mythology, you know, in a legend, you know, he always had his duty to guard the eight gates of hell. That was like his thing. That's what he did. But he wasn't necessarily, uh, that I know of, capable of talking in the myth. He was actually Hades' dog, mm. which, you know, makes sense. Uh, and according to the mythology, you know, Hercules went down, had to ask Hades if he could take Cerberus out of hell, you know, bring him back up to the gods for one of his 12, uh, uh, trials. What's it called? Yeah, one of his 12 trials. And which is interesting that he actually had to get the permission of Hades, and Hades gave him the okay. As long as he didn't take Hades, well, with, uh, with weapons. Like he, he had a, or I'm sorry. As long as he didn't take Cerberus with weapons, he had to battle Cerberus without any weapons whatsoever. And so eventually, without using weapons, Hercules did eventually overcome Cerberus and took him up to the gods. Um, those which reside above in this case, considering Hades is technically a god as well <clears throat> in Greek mythology. And I don't recall, I know in like different stories and stuff, we read about Hercules killing Cerberus. In this particular case, the one that I read, he didn't kill Cerberus. So I don't think I don't know I've exactly. ever heard that he killed Cerberus. So really, yeah, maybe he just maybe he's one of those where he like knocked him out. I, I mean, obviously he's not going to take Cerberus while he's still awake. There's no way that's happening. Or maybe he was like ha- uh, Hagrid in Harry Potter and just put him to sleep. There you go. <laughs> A little too tender with him. Maybe something like that. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, <clears throat> what I think is interesting about the Hellhound is you said, well, in regards to speed and power and everything like that, uh, I think what's similar between the Hellhound and the Black Dog, according to legend, of course, I keep saying according to legend because obviously, I know I'm repeating myself a lot, folks, but I want to be careful that I'm not trying to pull it off as being absolutely 100% documented truth that the right. Hellhounds and Black dogs exist. That's why I keep saying a legend because in reality we just don't know. But I think to some extent legends and mythologies are based on some sort of truth. Whatever that truth is, I don't know. But hey, you take it as it is. And right. you guys can agree or disagree or whatever. But according to legend, these dogs come in several different sizes. Mm. <clears throat> some are as small as your average dog, uh, you know, about the size of Labrador or stuff. That's pretty typical. Some are about the size of a, uh, a, a baby, like a small calf, mm. or can even be the size of a horse, which is interesting. I don't, I would never want to see a black dog the size of a horse. That's frightening. Well, if you, but, if you think of an Irish wolfhound, they get right. as tall, almost as tall as a horse. So it'd be 
in comparison to the Irish Wolfhound, I suppose. And in the different legends, like we were saying, a lot of these legends come from the British Isles. That would make sense as far as the Irish Wolfhound is concerned. If you see an Irish Wolfhound in the dark, most of the time they're blackish in color or or blackish gray. And if you see them in the dark, it would look as if their eyes were aglow. Usually yellow in in color because of the reflection. But I don't think I've ever seen any dog's eyes reflect red. And again, if that were ever the case, you would see Justin running the other way while Eric's just standing well, there like, Here, puppy, come here. Come here. <laughs> come here, puppy. Come here. <laughs> yeah. Well, they do reflect red. Uh, the, I mean, my huskies, those three... That when you use a flash on a camera, you do capture a red glow oh, from their eyes. Okay. Uh, and occasionally you would get it with the flashlight if you hit them at the right angle. It's always the right angle. You know, any animal for that point at that matter, except for cats. They just glow all the time. It's creepy. <laughs> but <laughs> it doesn't matter what angle you're at. You're going to know that there's a cat somewhere near you. Um, but I, I think it's interesting that you brought up this idea about the Irish wolfhound because when you actually look at the picture of an Irish wolfhound, it has very similarities to some of these black dogs that are mentioned. Mm-hmm. One is the size. Two is, you know, the glowing of the eyes at night. If someone has a flashlight or a candle or whatever, depending on the time that you were there, you know, that is a time in history. Uh, and these dogs, the Irish wolfhound, happens to be a very shaggy or hairy dog. Right. Wiry type of hairy up. Right. It's interesting. So then you begin to question, or at least it has me questioning now, whether most of these uh, eyewitness accounts recorded in the past, historical accounts, are actually nothing but misinterpretation of what was actually an Irish wolfhound or just a regular dog. Um, well, look at cryptids in general. We said numerous times, like with the Bigfoot specifically, that it could be a a wrongfully identified creature that you think it's Mm -hmm. a Bigfoot and it's a freaking bear. But yeah, I mean, it it could be that this is where it kind of gets hairy, if you will, that, uh, um, you gotta love them. (laughs) The, the fact that the hellhound talks, and a couple of the depictions, like we said, they're translucent, but not transparent. Because, like, if they were transparent, you would just maybe just see the glowing eyes. That's where you're kind of getting into what really is it. Because it, it could be that it was usually at nighttime. They couldn't see the animal per se because it's dark, especially in earlier history candles were not the luminescent that we do have now with a lot of different flashlights but in a sense i would think too if it is the spiritual then it could be a demonic creature or spirit of some kind taking that form obviously if it was a protector is it demonic? I don't know. As we've said in the past, I mean, Eric has said this numerous times, it could be just to deceive, make you think you're protected, but then later on, you, you die. Right. And again, 
Could it be just coincidence? You see this creature, maybe an Irish wolfhound in the dark, and then a year later you're hit by a horse and carriage. It It's possible, uh, in my opinion, if it happens so many times, is it likely that it's coincidence? I I border on the coincidence thing. Right. As Eric has said, you know, most Christians don't believe in coincidence. I am one of those that usually I don't believe in coincidence. Something usually happens for a reason. On occasion, though, there are, and there's, for me, there's these odd moments where coinkadink actually is (laughs) coinkadink. But, yeah, typically, no, we don't don't believe in consequence. Coincidences. Right. Uh, one thing that I wanted to touch on real quick, because you had mentioned it, is the possibility that these hellhounds are actually demonic. And ent- I mean, many can fight that a hellhound or a black dog is a demonic entity in and of itself. But in the case that you stated, a demonic entity taking the form of a black dog. Mm. Uh, you know, we've talked about this in the past about demonic entities taking the form of black dogs, werewolves. Uh, other human beings or just humans in general, et cetera, et cetera. What I think is interesting is that excerpt that I had read earlier from W.A. Dutt, uh, the one from Highways and Byways in East Anglia in 1901. Right. The very first sentence, and not even the first sentence, it's just the first few words, it says, he takes the form of a huge black dog, which I think is very interesting because in this sense, the way I'm interpreting that is that whatever it is isn't originally a dog. It's just taking the form of a dog. Right. So I think it's really, really interesting that you, you know, brought that up because, yeah, you know, we've talked about this in the past about the demonic entities and how they're constantly trying to deceive and make you believe things and see things and so on and so forth. It could very well just be a demonic entity out to deceive you. And all it really does, and in a sense, because you're no longer thinking, oh, it's a demonic entity. You're thinking, oh, it's another creature altogether. Either way, it pulls you further away from the truth and further away from God and gets you into this new place where all you're focused on is the black dogs and the hellhounds. And I don't always jump to that conclusion. <laughs> right. He doesn't, yeah, exactly. So interesting. Very interesting. One thing, other thing I want to mention real quick, because I don't think we really explained it or talked about it, uh, is where exactly these creatures seem to show up. And I don't mean just country of origin or anything like that. I mean specific places within the country. Uh, and according to legend and different folklore, typically, at least in this case, when you, when you look at uh, the landscapes of East Anglia, for the Black Shuck, for example, and I think this is similar to many of the other places around the world, including the Americas, uh, these dogs will primarily show up on the coastline, in graveyards, side roads, crossroads, bodies of water typically moving, so we're thinking streams and rivers as opposed to like lakes or oceans, mm. and also dark forests. Uh, and, and I think that is also kind of interesting because when we think of Crossroads, for example, you know, we think of demonic entities, uh, crossroad demons and stuff like that as we see through history. Uh, you know, th- there's been stories of people selling their soul to the devil at crossroads. So crossroads are kind of significant when we think about, uh, just the, the, uh, the mythology behind demonic entities and what their, their works basically. Also bodies of water. Uh, there's been stories that witches, for example, can't cross moving water, streams or rivers. Vampires as well. Vampires as well. We've touched base on that a long time ago. And of course, 
folks, for those of you listening, when I say witches, I don't mean you're, you know, Wiccans and pagans in this sense, because obviously they're still human beings who are practicing witchcraft. But when I say witches, we're talking about the mythological, uh, super dark, evil, can transform, blah, 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 blah. You know, typically what you get in your movies, uh, type of legend, similar to like the vampires. But so, you know, I think it's interesting that many of these dark forces can never really travel across water. Now, in this case, it doesn't say that the black dog can't travel across. It just says that it shows up. By You're right, right. And I think what's interesting about this, I know I'm saying interesting a lot, but that's because, folks, it really is interesting, <laughs> at least to me. It is. And it should be interesting to you. Because it's this funny is that your word is interesting and my word is always intriguing. <laughs> <laughs> That just so shows our brain level of smart. You're a little higher on the totem pole than I am, so you use the word intriguing. I know. But, uh, I think what's interesting or intriguing is based on some evidence from paranormal investigations, spirits like to show up near water. Why? Do you agree with me? Have we seen that in paranormal There's a lot investigations of- or have heard about it? Not in, not in our personal investigations, but no, no. In in regards to certain research, it, it depends on the area, of course. But yeah, it it can vary as to the activity that you get from something being close to running water compared to further away. Yes, I right. I agree. And so why is that? And now here we're getting into more of the scientific debate or discussion in regards to this. And we're not going to stay on this long. But what is it about moving water that attracts spirits or allows them to manifest themselves? I personally, I mean, I don't, I'm not a scientist per se. I mean, obviously, I'm, both Justin and I are capable of conducting scientific experiments that are accurate. Right. Sometimes they're not, but, you know, we're capable of doing that. Well, no like I said last week. Scientific experiment that actually happens is you introduce enough variables that you get the result that you want. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. uh, and, and so in this case, it's like, what exactly is it about the water that manifests these spirits or allows these spirits to manifest? I've heard it said, and I've done research on it, I've seen it happen, you know, in experiments in which water is simply a conductor. We know that water conducts electricity. We know that water, when it goes through certain obstacles and whatnot, it can create electricity, it can create energy. So does the water or can the water itself create energy of some sort, whether it be a magnetic field or electromagnetic field, electro field, whatever, can it do that? Obviously, we can't see it with the naked eye. We can't feel the energy by any means that I know of or that I've ever experienced. But is it something that we can test? And if so, and that's the case, could this be the reason for spirits such as the black dog to show up at these bodies of water? Well, if you think about what we're talking about moving water, mm-hmm. depending on your your scientific understanding, it's creating kinetic energy. It's okay. moving. Does that mean that spirits or and or demons are feeding off of that energy? Who's to say? Who's to say that they're feeding off of any type of energy or just using that energy to manifest what they're what they're trying to show us? Well, and if that in that case, and, and this is going to be kind of a question for you, not to put you on the spot or anything, but for those of us who have experienced uh, spirit 
phenomena, whether no, it doesn't matter what kind, it doesn't matter. But for those of us who have experienced it and have experienced the draining of our own energy mm-hmm. and then the manifestation of a spirit, whether it be a natural form or the form of words or whatever, right? What is that energy that they're taking from us then? If water's kinetic energy, is that the same thing when it comes to the human body or is it a different type of energy? I know there's a couple different answers out there for this. Well, the most common answer that a lot of people come across is we have bioelectricity in our body due to our nerves and our brain constantly sending signals, electronic signals to our body. In most cases, that would be what people fall to when, when they say they're feeding off of you bioelectrical energy or sometimes, I mean, depending on your beliefs, they could be feeding off of your spirit, your soul, depending on the entity that you're talking about from a mainstream point of view. It could be kinetic because the blood is pumping. You're constantly moving, but well, in, on top of that, while, while oh, you're, no. I'm sorry, to, I'm trying to cut you off there. <laughs> you're I'm you're introducing variables to get your. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not doing that. But it's interesting that you see that because, in a sense, humans could have magnetic field if right from the bioelectric, the blood, yeah, right. Since the blood carries iron, iron is the generator of magnetic fields. Mm-hmm. Hence. Folks, for those of you who don't know, the Earth's core is made of iron, and because it spins, it creates the field for the Earth. You were just getting scientific here. Oh my gosh, we're smart people. (laughs) Man, people, they they judge us wrongly. Um, (laughs) And so if that's the case, and and the blood is pumping through us, then yeah, there's also this this possibility of uh, the magnetic field that it's feeding off of as well. That's true, yeah. Um, and I'm sorry, I don't know if I lost you at all there. I noticed that our screens froze for a moment there. No. Nope. But I don't know if, uh, okay, cool. We're good. <clears throat> so, yeah, I think this is great stuff, guys. This is awesome. <laughs> uh, you know what? I think for a moment we're going to take a breather because it is time for our next break, I think. Yeah. Uh, so folks, uh, without further ado, we will be right back after Justin's Paranormal Headlines. And now, Paratruth Radio's Paranormal Headlines. What's going on, Parafans? Justin here with your Paranormal Headlines. And these headlines are from unexplainedmysteries.com. New mission aims to revisit Apollo 17 site. The private-funded Endeavor aims to revisit the lunar rover left behind by the Apollo 17 astronauts. The mission, which is being worked on by a group of Berlin-based engineers and scientists, will land two small rovers on the lunar surface near to where the astronauts last set foot. One of 16 teams competing as part of a $30 million Google Lunar X Prize, the PT scientists, or part-time scientists, have been developing their robotic rovers and lunar landers since 2008. Now in a bid to finally get to the moon, the team has secured a ride with Spaceflight Inc. in the hope of delivering the rovers to the Taurus Litro Valley where Apollo 17 touched down in 1972. It's the last piece of the puzzle, said PT scientist CEO Robert Bohm. 
We have been busy designing and testing our rovers, developing our transport and landing spacecraft, and now we have secured our ride to space. One of the goals of the mission will be to determine the state of the lunar rover, the vehicle that Apollo 17 astronauts rode around in during their final visit to the moon. It will be necessary, however, to land a good distance away to avoid disturbing the site. If we succeed, we'll have done something that previously only governments have been able to do, said Bowen. We want our mission to inspire others. New Mars satellite returns first photographs. The Trace Gas Orbiter, TGO, has returned a set of high-quality test photographs from the Red Planet. Despite losing its companion, Shia Pirelli, lander to a computer glitch shortly after arriving at Mars back in October, the Atmospheric Research Orbiter is continuing to do well. Developed through a collaboration between the European Space Agency and Russia's Roscosmos, the Trace Gas Orbiter is designed to acquire a better understanding of methane and other trace gases present in the planet's atmosphere. While the spacecraft is not yet in the correct orbit to begin operations, the team behind it have taken the opportunity this week to test out its cameras and other onboard instrumentation. The images returned were taken around 250 kilometers above the surface over the Hebes Chasma region. We saw Hebes Chasma at 2.8 meters per pixel, said Principal Investigator Nicholas Thomas. That's a bit like flying over Bern at 15,000 kilometers an hour and simultaneously getting sharp pictures of cars in Zurich. In addition to its cameras, the probe is also equipped with several infrared spectrometers and a neutron detector capable of picking up signs of hydrogen near the planet's surface. And this has been Justin with your Paranormal Headlines. This was a segment of Parachute Radio's Paranormal Headlines. What's up, Paratropolis? Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And before the break, we were discussing a number of different things, but in particular, we were discussing the ability of spirits to manifest using kinetic energy, magnetic energy, electromagnetic energy, bioelectric energy. Oh my gosh, so (laughs) many energies out there. but it was nice because it allowed us to really, and I don't know, I, I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. If, for those of you watching YouTube, you probably saw me smiling through the entire conversation because <laughs> it was so much fun to talk about. Uh, but it brought up some very interesting things. Very interesting things. Uh, things that are beyond just your typical myths and legends. But here's the thing. Using scientific methods to try to discover the truth about something, especially here in the spirit side of the spirit realm. You know, it's very difficult to do because scientists throughout history are always going to try to use science, something that's physical, to try and prove something that's metaphysical or disprove something that's metaphysical. Mm. And it's nearly impossible to do that. 
You can't use physical instruments, for example, to measure God. You can't do it. It's impossible. Uh, and so that's where like faith and belief comes in, so on and so forth, you know, right. and that's the difference. And, <clears throat> you know, we can, I think I said it last week, you know, there's a different types of evidences that we use and different types of methods for science that we use. But when you're trying to measure that of the spirit realm, when you're trying to measure that of God and prove God's existence or disprove, you need to use historical science. Things that are going to be already written down throughout thousands of years of history. Things are going to relate to each other. You gotta see like, oh, if this is, says this here in the book, and then in another book it says the same thing, so like an actual historical book that like points, and all these things point to different things, eventually it's gonna lead you to the truth, and you're gonna say, oh, what's written in the Bible is true, because the Britannica says the same thing, and when you go overseas to this particular place, the it's right there, you know, it says this, and so on and so forth, and different archaeological finds, and so on and so forth. Uh, so it's difficult to use science to prove things. However, nonetheless, it is still fun and interesting to try and use physical science to test spirits. Don't test God. He doesn't like that. Uh, <laughs> that's biblical. But, you know, for those of us in the paranormal community, it's kind of our job. It's kind of what we do. We test the spirit realm using whatever we have typically. Right. Well, now, again, one thing that is interesting and correct me if I'm wrong, but nowhere in the yeah. Bible does it even bring up hellhounds or Mm-mm. dogs that can talk. I'm, I know that there's the, no. the donkey and the pigs and all that, right. but which is, yeah, exactly. Um, no, you're absolutely right. It doesn't say anything about hellhounds or dogs talking or anything. Yes. God gives the ability of talking to a donkey. Very interesting. He does that. Uh, he, he does it to a number of different things. He does all kinds of weird things, you know, and gives the ability uh, or an ability to a number of different creatures, whether human or otherwise. And it's just, who are we to judge? We can't judge God. God is the creator of all things. Only he has the ability to judge. And I know people are going to argue with me on that. But that's the difference between a Christian and the atheist and so on and so forth. <clears throat> well, it's funny that Here's, you bring up the Christian thing because I was going through some of the research that okay. on the black dog, and yeah, it is about what to do if you come across mm-hmm. a black dog, and uh-huh. yep. basically what it says is you can't do crap, but mm-hmm. <laughs> in certain areas such as Christian countries, simply wearing a cross or the picture of a saint is enough to keep the dog at bay. Now, the only ones that pray to saints are the Catholics, but I I don't know of any other denominations that pray to the saints. And also, the other superstitions are carrying a coffin nail, sprinkling fresh water on the ground behind you as you walk, or even having a pair of scissors, preferably iron, on your person. Mm-hmm. Interesting, right? Yeah, I think the most interesting. I think a lot of that makes sense for the most part. Um, I mean, as much as it can make sense. <laughs> uh, but like the iron, for example, throughout you know throughout history, people believe that iron has been capable of keeping out or warding off spirits. That's very true. Uh, iron has been said an occasion to kill vampires. So is silver, so is wood, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so the iron thing kind of makes sense. 
was interesting. I think of all the, and the Christian thing, of course, wearing the cross, for example, is very popular right. uh, when it comes to warding off evil. Which, by the way, all of those things I think are bogus. I don't think the cross, a little symbol, is going to ward off the devil. It's not going to happen, folks. I'm sorry to disappoint you. Yes, the cross has power. No, it will not itself. The little little thing you wear around your neck will not protect you. Only God Himself will. The cross the, is the just belief a symbol. In what it represents, exactly, right? The faith of who it represents. The cross is just the symbol of what is and who is the true protector. Anyway, that iron as well. Yeah, I mean, and it can be scientifically. Yeah, some of you who can speak tongues know what I just said. Uh, I'm just kidding, guys. I'm just kidding. Um, iron, until it's scientifically proven that it keeps spirits at away or at bay or in or whatever, you know, it's hard to say. It's still interesting. Obviously, there's a reason why there's iron fences around graveyards is to keep spirits in and not out, uh, them out. Uh, but the most interesting of all is that you write off sprinkling fresh water behind you. Weird. Very weird. Two reasons. One, I've never once in my entire life heard that fresh water would do any holy water. I've heard. Okay. Salt water? Sure. There's salt in it, right? We've heard that salt can keep Mm -hmm. spirits away. You and I used to do that before we were Christians. Right. The salt on a car. Um, But fresh water is weird. I've never heard that one. Um, well, it's interesting that it says sprinkle fresh water behind you, but don't go by moving bodies of water. In a sense, isn't sprinkling water moving water because it's falling it to the, the ground? ground. Well, until it hits the ground. Well, and then I ask, okay, if it's a hot day and you're walking home, when that water evaporates, you're kind of screwed. <laughs> I mean, well, it's also soaking into the ground if it's not a hot day. Well, that's <laughs> true. Yeah, I mean, like, I, guys, whoever came up with this idea about <laughs> fresh water, get rid of it. No, come on. We, we're debunking this right now. It's impossible. It doesn't make sense. Well, the the one thing I wanted to bring up because of yeah. the, the Sicily trip, and we're on yeah. this little topic of protection, The yeah. have you ever seen the Sicilian flag? Uh, I'm, I'm sure. I, I'm sure I have. I can't. I'm not thinking of what it looks like right offhand. Well, it's look, it's red split in half and yellow on the other side. So red up top, oh, yellow okay. on the bottom. In the center is a woman's head, usually the Medusa, with three legs going around it. Okay. Yeah. And there was different reasonings as to what the symbol meant, but the Medusa head is supposed to represent warding off evil. Okay. So having one of these symbols in your house represents uh, or uh, protects you against evil spirits. Now, I'm going to just go and say it probably doesn't, but... It's interesting to see that back when the flag was created and the symbol was created, it was supposed to represent warding off evil spirits. Well, and, and you know, and in a sense, I agree with you. And we know that many of our listeners will disagree as well. Um, that's that's another story altogether. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about in this sense. Uh, however, 
I think what's interesting, and I know we've, we've discussed this in the past a little bit, is that sometimes a symbol or a particular symbol isn't always evil. Even though for one person it may be evil, let's talk the pentagram, for example, mm. or the pentacle in general. Pentacle, I prefer the pentacle because right. the pentagram is usually the inverted. Inverted, yeah. Right. Um, <clears throat> and so what's interesting, darn it, my, my internet keeps freezing. I'm trying to look something up. Um, what we've discussed in the past is that sometimes a symbol doesn't have power in and of itself, but it's the power that you yourself give it. And so if someone like me looks at a pentacle and says, hey, this is a representation of Jesus Christ, that is, the top point represents the thorn, uh, the crown of thorns, the two points on left and right are the nails in the hands, and likewise, the nails in the feet, and the circle represents unity, per possibly the Trinity or whatever, then in a sense that could be, okay, a Christian symbol. And at one point it was used as a Christian mm-hmm. symbol and then was adopted or readopted by pagans again. Um, and so there is, there is that. There is a possibility that if someone believes that this Medusa head does indeed ward off evil, then maybe it could possibly have the power to ward off evil. Now, I know, folks, you don't have to email us about this and tell me I'm full of crap. You don't need to do that. Um, I'm just stating the possibilities and what other people may be thinking. Because, yes, I agree with Justin. I don't think in Medusa's head, considering who Medusa is in Greek mythology, is really going to ward off evil. Um, but, and quite frankly, I think demonic entities are pretty smart to you know, to kind of know, you know, <laughs> whether something is really going to, let's face it, symbols aren't going to do diddly squat. It's just a symbol. It's something that's written. It's something that's created by man. The spirit realm doesn't give a crap. Point blank. Doesn't yeah. care. The only person who really cares is God. It's true. You know, depending on what you're doing and what you're creating, so on and so forth, God is the only one who's going to feel affected by it. Because if it's something that goes against him, then obviously he's going to hate whatever it is that you did. If it's something for him, then obviously he's going to enjoy whatever it is that you did. And there's reasons for that. But the devil, he's going to look at a cross, he's going to look at pentagrams, he's going to look at Medusa's head and laugh at it, basically, because it's just a symbol. Uh, But if he laughs laughs at Medusa's head, then he's going to be turned to stone because he looked at it. (laughs) Yes, because that's real. (laughs) We always talk about real things here on this channel. (laughs) We're talking about uh-huh. black dogs for criminy. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> anyway, so folks, as I said earlier, depending on where you're at, your location around the world, there are different names for black dogs. Mm-hmm. They're not all just black dogs. Here in America, we consider them black dogs. That's what they are. Black right. dogs are hellhounds. I have a list of names. That I'd like to share with you guys. Justin, you've probably seen this list of names. Mm. Uh, considering some of the things we've spoken of, I know we're going to get some of your information. So, I'm going to go ahead and just lead through this brief list. Some of these, forgive me if I completely screw up the name. You can help me, Justin, if I do mess it up. Anyway, first and foremost, Lancashire. Mm-hmm. Known as, I believe, the Boogie Beast is what it's really pronounced. It says Bogey Beast. 
Could they, uh, I think it's probably pronounced Boogie Beast. I could be wrong. B O G E Y Beast. Right. Boogie. I I think Feel free. Boogie is is a human or a human American term that we derive from Bogie. From Bogie. So okay. So well, either way, Bogie Beast, Boogie Beast, they're kind of one and the same in this sense. Uh, Yorkshire and the North, the Bargust. Bargheist. Bargheist. I'm sorry. The Bargheist. I should just have Justin read this. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> East Anglia. We've already talked about this. The Black Shuck. Probably the easiest name on this list. Thank goodness. Westmoreland. Cumbria. Capplethwaite. Interesting name. Mm-hmm. The Highlands and Dark Green. Cusith or Susith. Again, I think it's more of a matter of preference on your pronunciations. It's much like uh, when we spoke about Cthulhu or Cthulhu. It right. depends on how you want to pronounce it. It's, you know. Um, of course, those of you from the Highlands and Dark Green, you obviously, you're going to disagree with however I just said that. And this <laughs> one of them are right. And you're like, you're half right. But uh, Suffolk is the Gelly Trot. Unfortunately, so we don't said, have the breakdown of what these names af- actually Translate to yeah. Um, <clears throat> the next one is Somerset, and the black dog out there is called the Guy Trash Girt Dog. Okay, uh, Lincolnshire. The dog is known as Harry Jack. Scotland is known as the I think it's the Mouth Dog. That's Duke. yeah. That's how I would pronounce it, Mouth Duke. Yeah, Mouth Duke. Um, Another place in Suffolk, or another name, is Old Shock or Black Shock. So they're along the lines of East Anglia, uh, kind of with the same name. Again, in East Anglia, uh, you can call it the Black Shock, the Old Shock, the Old Shock, the Shock, you know, whatever. Uh, any, anything within those particular parameters is pretty much accurate to what the Black Dog is. Uh, Yorkshire again. <clears throat> I'm sorry, is that again? Yes, Yorkshire again. Padfoot. Interesting name. Ireland is known as the Puka. I mean, that kind of sounds like something you call your significant other. But hey, the Puka. Hey, Puka. How you doing? No. Lancashire, Yorkshire, also known as the Striker. Uh, in Mexico, here's a place we haven't really covered in regards to the black dogs. Of course, we know that Mexico is more or less well known for Chupacabra. Uh, as well as New Mexico. Um, <clears throat> but Mexico, the name of the black dog out there is uh, Hue Shivo and Hue Peck. In Central America, the black dog is known as Yue, Wei, Wei Chivo, Peck, or Cadejo. 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 Cadejo, okay. And finally, in Paraguay and Argentina, it is known as the Labazan. Or Lobazan. All very interesting, all very different names for our very simple black dog. Uh, but all I'm sure, and of course, we could, honestly, we could do the research. I can't right now, because my internet is screwy. I'm stuck on this page. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I wish I, I wish we would have thought about it sooner. Uh, it would just sort of taken a whole lot longer. But folks, if you want to check out some of these names, you know, you've written them down, listen to this again, hear some of these names, check them out. They all had different meanings. 
some of them are going to probably be pretty accurate and similar to other names and the meanings of those names, depending on the dialogue and the the, uh, uh, the language that the person is, or that culture is speaking. You know, for example, you know, there, there's something in Spanish that we say in American. Two different words mean the exact same thing, is what I mean there. Right. So many of these names may simply all resort to black dog, hairy dog, you know, something like that along those lines. But again, feel free. Part of listening to our radio show and probably many other shows out there, folks, don't take what we say, yeah, and consider it absolutely one hundred percent absolute. It's not absolute. There's nothing absolute about the paranormal community. Uh, you well, have to. I also invite any of our English and or Latin American listeners to either translate for us or tell us that we completely screwed those names up and tell us <laughs> yeah. how to pronounce those names. Exactly. Um, but folks, like I was saying, when you hear stuff on our show that you agree with or disagree with, if you agree with it, great. If you disagree with it or are concerned or questioned or you want to know more, the idea of our show isn't simply just to present you facts or legends or whatever. It's to get you out there to kind of do your own research. Also bring uh, it up to us so that way we, we yeah. can look at it too. Absolutely. Bring it up. To, if you find something different from us, let us know. Email us. Send us to something in Messenger on Facebook. Hit us, in, you know, hit us up in Facebook in any way. You know, comment on our statuses or create a status, whatever. Uh, however you want to contact us, do it. We love hearing from you guys. Um, much like the Bible says, you know, Paul says that we should never just take his word or anyone's word about the Bible, but that we should actually do the research that we hear. Like, for example, when Paul is telling, uh, telling us something through the scriptures of, about God, we shouldn't just take it and say, oh, this is what Paul said, therefore it's true. We should say, hmm, let me compare it to what other things say in the Bible to see if what he says is true. That's what you should be doing here in the paranormal community. Don't just take what someone says as fact or as absolute. Challenge it. Check it for yourself. If you find that all of your research, all of your evidence coincides with whatever it is the person, the hosts, like me and Justin, have said, then boom, you may have your answer. Not necessarily, but you may. If it doesn't coincide, obviously there's differences. Either A, we're completely wrong, and we'd be willing to admit that. Justin and I are pretty humble. Yeah. We'll admit when we, we aren't correct on something. Or B, we've just shared one side of the story. And when it comes to the paranormal community, there are usually multiple sides to many different topics that we just that we discuss. And it all just depends on culture. It all depends on legend. It all depends mm -hmm. on stories and eyewitness accounts. Everything is constantly changing in the paranormal community. Nothing is ever absolute. consistent <laughs> and absolute. Yes. Um, so with that said, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, we present to you the black dog. I do have to say, I like where the conversation went. I agree. It was a good conversation. Interesting Folks, stuff, though. Yeah, like, absolutely. It is. It's really interesting stuff. Um, you know, we like I said, we've done research on these black dogs in the past and on hellhounds. But... I think back then, now, now mind you, I think the last time we really did any real discussion on the black dog was when we really first started out in the paranormal, uh, online radio. But that was back with Night Stalkers, oh, so many years ago, right. 2000, we'll say 2009. Probably and we were kind of basing our we did it. research on 
let's Wikipedia. Face it, supernatural. <laughs> supernatural. <laughs> Wikipedia and the TV show Supernatural. Yes. If you guys want to know some true stuff, listen to Nice Doctors. Don't listen to Nice Doctors. Don't. I'm warning you. I'll send a black dog out. No, I won't do that either. That's wrong. God they've they've heard some if you guys ever were able to hear the the pair of truth uh S file or yeah, the S files. So yeah, <laughs> So yeah, it, but, uh, it's interesting stuff. Uh not not quite sure where this legend completely originated from. I mean, obviously the location we know where it originated from, but why but, people were connecting black dog to protection or to death because like in Ireland black dog or I'm sorry the banshee is supposed to represent somebody dying whether that's a family member or yourself and it's I actually wanted to bring this up when you said how it got to America it could be the legends just came to America it could be just like the banshee a spirit of some kind, whether that's demon or otherwise, mm-hmm. attached itself to a family and came on over to the Americas, and that's why we have the Amer- the legends here in America as well. Mm-hmm. So, as Eric said, we leave it up to you to do the research and come up to your, with your own conclusions. Please give us your conclusions, because... I honestly have no idea where to land on this because we covered, it could be a misidentification. It could be a spirit animal of some kind. It could be something turning into an animal of some kind to deceive you or protect you or whatever. So give us your opinion. I, you can comment on Spreaker, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and as well, email us at paratruthradio at gmail.com. Next week is going to be an interesting discussion as well because we're going to be talking about the Jacks. Now, I know you guys are asking, Justin, what's yes. the Jacks? There are... Th- I believe the Jack three. Hacker <laughs> Jacks. I believe there's three Jacks that we had discussed. I can't remember the third one, but it's Jack, uh, Jack the Ripper, Spring Hill Jack. What was the other one that you had come across? Do you remember? Um, was it Union Jack? Not Union Jack. It, I'm trying to think which one Spring. Spring Hill Jack was from Jack- England. Um, okay, the, the Jack, uh, the Jack O' Lantern, Jack. Oh, oh, oh okay. Uh, whatever his name is. Okay, yeah. so we wanted to discuss that because there are some kind of spiritual aspects to kind of all three. Oops, excuse me, all three of these things. So it's going to be a really interesting one. I actually also came across an author, believe it or not that wrote a book on Spring Hill Jack, so it'll be interesting to uh, try and get him on and get his his take on Spring Hill Jack. And it'll be, yeah, it'll be an interesting show. So, you know, coming up, we got a lot of stuff coming, Christmas, New Year's. You don't want to miss these shows on Paratruth Radio. Like, every year is usually something different. Two years in a row, Christmas was kind of similar, but, but we're shooting <laughs> for something different. Uh, 
this year. So stay tuned for all that and more. And you will find us same time, same channel next week. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. Do you love Paratruth Radio? Do you feel Paratruth Radio is worth at least a dollar? Then check out our Patreon account. Go to paratruthradio.com, click on the contact tab, and click on our Patreon link. And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Paratruth Radio, and you would like to listen to it again, or are interested in listening to any of our past episodes, then you can listen to them on HD at our website, paratruthradio.com. And you can also find us at Stitcher, Blueberry, TuneIn, iTunes, Spreaker, and YouTube. And of course, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for brand new updates of our show every day. I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. See you soon.